0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this week's Highway Community Podcast. This morning, we are continuing our teaching series entitled, Rooted, which is inspired by the prayer that's at the center of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, where Paul prays that Christ would dwell in the hearts of the Christians in and around Ephesus in a way that would root them in God's love. So far in our series... We've seen that as God's love takes root in our hearts, it fundamentally informs our identity and it connects us to God's incomparably great power as we continue the ongoing journey of trusting in Him. And this morning, as we continue in Paul's letter, we're going to see how being rooted in Christ's love roots us in God's story. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, has made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The beginning of Ephesians chapter 2 is quite simply one of the most beautiful passages in all of Scripture. In the space of just 10 verses, Paul manages to tell the entire story of salvation in a way that is both epic in feel and in scope. And he starts, interestingly enough, after all of the emphasis at the beginning of his letter on the new identity that we have as followers of Jesus, Paul starts here in Ephesians 2 by reminding us of what we were. He starts by reminding us of what we were prior to being adopted as God's sons and daughters. He says in verse 1 As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. It's difficult to imagine a more dramatic change of gears as Paul begins this new section of his letter. Formerly, he says, we were dead, which is attention getting to say the least. And Paul is talking about being dead in a spiritual sense. Prior to being adopted as God's sons and daughters, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. We were following, Paul says, the ways of the world and the desires and the thoughts of the flesh. We were living to gratify our own cravings. And like the rest, he says in verse 3, we were by nature deserving of wrath. And that description there of being deserving of wrath by nature very much evokes the story of the original sin in Genesis. a Genesis says that God created man and woman in his own image to be present with him and to partner with him in maintaining the sacred space of the garden. But when Adam and his wife chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were sent out from the garden. They were banished from God's presence. Their relationship with God had been broken. And as a result of their sin, death entered the system. And that, Paul says, is where we were. We were separated from God by sin and by nature deserving of wrath. But, Paul says in verse 4, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Now, the NIV translation doesn't reflect this, but in the original text, the word order of this verse is different. In the original text, Verse four actually begins with the words, but God, which is so much more powerful and striking. And it's so much more powerful and striking because it gives us this sense of God actively stepping in and intervening. And it gives us the sense of God breaking in, of God disrupting the flow of how things were going. We were dead, but God. We were captive, but God. We were self-destructing, but God. And so, once again, just like we consistently see all throughout Scripture, God relentlessly pursues His people, and He pursues us because of His great, unconditional love for us. By nature, we were deserving of wrath, but God, because He is rich in mercy, has saved us by His grace. He has rescued us. and Paul continues in verse 6. He writes, "...and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus and so paul reveals that just like god raised and exalted jesus He has raised and exalted us as well, that that we too have been raised up. We are co-participants in the resurrection. And so God, through His great love, has joined us to Himself through Christ. And through that, we have effectively been written into the great story of God's active and relentless pursuit of his people. And we have been written into that great story, which has its roots all the way back in the Garden of Eden, and that culminates with Jesus' resurrection. Through the kindness that God has shown us through Jesus, we have become rooted in God's story. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And so, just in case we missed it earlier in verse 5, Paul reminds us here again in verse 8 that all of this is only because of God's grace and that grace is a gift that we receive through faith it's a gift that we receive through faith it's not because of anything that we've done for god or anything that we can do for god it's not because we somehow deserve it or have earned it it's solely because of god's love it's solely from the inherent belovedness that comes with being created in God's image, that we have been made alive in Christ and are rooted in God's story. Now, not only have we been written into God's story by his grace through faith, but Paul also reveals here in Ephesians chapter 2, That as followers of Jesus, we are a part of continuing that story as well. As followers of Jesus, we are a part of continuing that story as well. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And I love the image there that Paul uses of us as God's handiwork. It's one of my favorite images in all of the scriptures because it is so tremendously rich and inspiring. The word that Paul uses that is translated for us as handiwork is the Greek word poiema. And it literally means a thing made, or a work, or workmanship. And it's a word that appears actually only one other time in the Bible besides here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And that other time that it appears is Romans chapter 1, verse 20, where Paul talks about the way that God has revealed himself through creation. Paul writes in Romans chapter 1, Verse 20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature have clearly been seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. And that phrase from what has been made, that is the word poema. God's eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. And so Paul says that, that God's poema, the things that he has made, have been made in order to reveal his invisible qualities. God's poema, the things that he has made, have been made in in order to reveal his invisible qualities. And so all of God's handiwork, all of the things that he has made, the mountains, the seas, the canyons, the trees, everything Paul says has been made so that God can be seen. God reveals himself through his poema. And by using that same word here in Ephesians 10, Paul reveals that we are connected to that as well. We are a part of that revelation. For we, Paul says, are God's handiwork. God, amazingly, continues to reveal himself he continues to reveal his invisible qualities through our lives right? our lives are the poema or to use the english word that's that's not surprisingly derived from poema our lives are the poem through which god continues to tell his story we are god's poem Now, as a former English literature major, I have a very special place in my heart for the movie Dead Poets Society. And in that movie, Robin Williams plays a charismatic English teacher named John Keating, uh, who has a unique gift for bringing poetry to life for his students. And Paul's image here in Ephesians 2 of, of us as God's poema always brings to mind a line from Walt Whitman's poem, O Me, O Life, uh, that is read in the movie Dead Poets Society as, as Mr. Keating tries to encourage his students to pursue their passions in life. And the line is, The powerful play goes on, and you contribute a verse. The powerful play goes on, and you contribute a verse. And I love that line because I think it really captures what Paul is saying here when he says that we are God's poema. Like the powerful play that is God's story of salvation goes on. Right? God is continuing to write his poem. And by His grace, the verses of our lives are a part of that. And so there's this really rich sense, right that the identity and the hope that we have in Christ, Right, that we have talked about over the last two weeks as we've looked together at Ephesians chapter 1, there's this really rich sense in which those things converge and, and crescendo into this profound sense of purpose here in Ephesians chapter 2. Right, we are God's poema, Right, both right now and in an ongoing sense. We are His poema. And so, Wherever it is that we, that we find ourselves, whatever verse that we are currently in, it is all a part of God's story, and it is all a part of the ongoing poem that he is writing. It's all a part of the way that he is revealing himself in and through our lives. And what a beautiful gift of hope that is for us, I think, as followers of Jesus. That, that, that in the very midst of all of the, the struggles of this season, in the midst of, of the unending inertia, the fear and the uncertainty, the loneliness, and the isolation, the grief, and the loss, the weariness, and the restlessness that have marked this past year in the midst of all of the things that by his grace and mercy, God's story continues. And Paul, I think, is very much inviting us to see that. And he's inviting us to see the ways that God is continuing to tell the story of his love and his grace and his mercy and his kindness in and through our lives. And so what verse is God writing through your life right now? what verse is God writing through your life right now? How is he revealing himself in you and through you? Lord, would you give us eyes to see the verse of your story that you are writing in our lives today. Would you pray with me? Father, we sit in awe and wonder as we marvel at the magnitude of your love and grace that you have shown us through Jesus. And thank you that through Jesus's life and death and resurrection that you have restored us to yourself and that you have rooted us in your great story. And father it is truly amazing and humbling as we think about Paul's words here in Ephesians 2, that by your grace, you continue to reveal yourself and you continue to tell your story through the stories that you are writing in our lives. And Father, I ask that by your Spirit, that you would help us to see and be aware of the verse that you are writing in our lives today, and that we might embrace that verse as a gift and allow it to deepen the roots of your love in our hearts in a way that transforms us and that enables your love to be seen in us and through us as we faithfully go about the good works that you have prepared in advance for us to do. We love you, Father. We thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name, Amen.